So there are there are small horses that are not considered ponies, and there are larger horses that are considered ponies. What madness <laughs> is this? What? Because the equestrian <laughs> no. community doesn't have its crap together. No. What? Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike through Wikipedia. I am Sky. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. And what we do here every episode is uh, one, of us, one of us comes up with a game, uh, which I have done tonight, um, two pages, and they have to get from one page to the other, um, only by clicking links within the pages. And tonight you guys are going from the hit sensation parkour to unicorns. What? Yeah, I like going this. from parkour to unicorn. Parkornicorn. Parkornicorn. Okay, so as I as I search for parkour here, mm-hmm. the description that Wikipedia is giving me is holistic training yes. discipline. I it, think that's gotta be that. Yes, that's that's okay. gotta be vandalism. <laughs> I saw that too. It's like the description <laughs> of it before you click it. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. I mean, it does say so that it's a training that, discipline here. Uh, but don't look don't look too much at this page because I've got a quiz for you guys. All right. Oh no. To see who oh, goes no. to see who gets to go first. We've got a quiz and I've gone to parkourtrain.net to pick up the hottest parkour terminology. Come and ride the parkour you guys, train. You guys are going to have to guess. <laughs> I'm going to give you the name of of a, a a parkour term. And what you got to do is just kind of try to describe what it is. The and I'll move be, I'm gonna you're be, doing. I'm going to be very generous. With your body. And whoever gets the most wins. Um, so my extensive parkour training is going, to, is going to help me out a lot on this. I mean, I would assume I, that you would be better it? at parkour, parkour than, than I would be. <laughs> I mean, your, your Tai Chi has got to get you somewhere in this. Oh no, I'm horribly balanced. This is it. I would I would parkour right into a wall. <laughs> you, if you, you know can park if you if cat? you take that energy parkouring into a wall and parkour up the wall, then you'll be fine. Well, n- no, you know that that gif of a cat that's like sitting on a windowsill and it's like I'm going to make this jump. I'm going to make the, like you see it like uh coil up and then it just like springs and it goes uh it just goes uh, open pod and then just falls straight. That's <laughs> open me. pod. Like that, that's me all the time. Beautiful. So we'll just take turns. Um, you know, you either get it or you don't. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that'll that be that. All right. Uh, we are starting with who's first on this call? Tim. Tim is listed yeah. first on this call. Tim, what is a tic-tac? A tic-tac. Oh, my yep. gosh. I am going to say that it is... When you jump off of one wall real quick and then jump off the other. Um, so you're going like tic tac up the wall. What? Yeah, a tic tac is a technique where the tr- where where uh, the person doing parkour pushes uh, <laughs> off of one object with her foot to gain height and reverse momentum in order to overcome another obstacle. So yeah, I think the, the way that you described it counts in this regard. It's just not as specific. All right, nice. thank you. I'll give that to you. Yep. Uh, Kyle, what is an arm jump, also known as a cat jump? Oh, geez. Okay, so that's going to be uh, like if you are coming up on a hurdle of some type, some, like an obstacle, Yeah. where you like grab up onto it. 
<clears throat> like as you're running, you you kind of reach for it and grab it and use your arms to like hurdle yourself forward over it. It's a jump where the trace where the tracer lands, which is a parkour person. Uh, that's oh. a that's a free <laughs> that's a free one. Damn, there. what's a tracer? <laughs> yeah, Dang uh, it. <laughs> a jump where the tracer lands with his hands on top of an obstacle and his feet on the obstacle. Oh, so dang. not quite. I don't know if I can can give that one to you because no, it's more no, like you know I how like you. the That's cats fine. the cats look all cute with their like little legs like all up what, on what's them. that called again it's when you it's, it's when you the arm jump or the cat jump it's when you look like bread on an obstacle yeah. <laughs> you're like <holding, laughs> no, I, you know. I would have said i would have answered the exact feet. same way kyle <laughs> yeah i thought it was just like that like that panther like leap thing that they do but okay yes no no, no i i understand uh tim what is the art du de placement can you repeat that please the art du <laughs> deplacement the I art think. du deplacement yes ah uh, it's when it's when the tracer <laughs> tracu traceo uh jumps into a full bathtub and displaces <laughs> only only the water equal to his mass and none of the rest splashes out <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That's it. Nailed it. It's just literally the art of displacement or forward movement. Um, <laughs> I thought what? I thought I was just gonna give you what an is, easy one. I thought you were just gonna say, is, "Oh, it's the art of displacement." <laughs> displacement. I'm just gonna be like, "Yeah." What does displacement have to do with forward movement? The art of displacement slash forward movement. Oh my gosh! It's essentially amazing. identical to parkour, but the philosophy is more about developing the strength, courage, and capacity of the human being. Utility and aesthetic movements are both important. I love everything about this dumb art. It's amazing. <laughs> Pretty great. Hmm. Oh, I love it. All right, Kyle, what's a pop vault? Oh, my gosh. It's the thing I just described. It's that. No, you uh, uh, pop vault is, let's say, oh, geez. Um, let's say it's this really awesome looking thing where you... <laughs> Go! Oh no no! Okay, so you're you need to like vault over a fence. So you like, uh, put your arm down and like try to vault the rest of your body over like horizontally. So you just like try to vault yourself over using one arm, uh, kind of as a as as leverage on the on the fence that you're trying to climb over. Hmm. It's a vault where a foot is placed on the obstacle first to pop the tracer up and give her height oh, to perform on. another vault. <laughs> Typically, I, um, I picked the wrong limb. <laughs> typically, a two-handed vault. Um, oh, it is on the obstacle to pop the tracer up. Uh, I gotta look this up. Hang on. Well, you go on. I want to. I want to see a video of this. Okay. No, you guys go ahead. Yes, that's fine. All right. I guess I'm not giving that to you. This quiz sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tim, what's a lazy okay. vault? A lazy Aww. fall. A lazy vault. A lazy vault. Um, hmm. A lazy vault. I mean, in mm. in the fine art of BMX and motocross, a lazy boy is when you lay back on the vehicle. I don't see how you could vault that way, though. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say... No, I'm I mean, gonna say it's it's vaulting uh, over something like back first. 
back first. Yeah. So you're doing it kind of backwards. A type of vault Ooh. where the obstacle is approached obliquely and the legs pass over the obstacle first. One or two <laughs> hands can be used and are placed on the obstacle as the body passes over it. So it is Amazing. like the first thing you said. Like, so that that just sounds like a vault. Like, it, wait, yeah. I want, that means that there's like a more engaged vault, though. Like, how is that lazy? And that just sounds like a normal vault that someone would do. <laughs> I guess. So I'm sending you, I'm okay. sending you guys a quick tutorial on on the pop vault, and I'm only doing it because this guy looks like the human bo- human embodiment of parkour in this video. It's raining. Yeah, and then he just goes, "Watch the slow mo, watch the slow mo." This is actually exactly what I was trying to describe in the first answer that I gave. Oh yeah, I guess it was right. You like, yeah, I'll give that to you. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, I want to find. I want to see what a lazy vault look looks like. Oh yeah, let's do it. Sky probably wants us to get out into the actual game, but this no, is this okay. is the actual game. Ooh. Oh, the guy starts by yawning because <laughs> it's a lazy um, vault. I was actually going. I was going to suggest it's a it's a vault where you're wearing an adult onesie. So you basically you just you just grab onto something and you vault over it. That's a lazy vault. Well, I just don't see what it, it's. It does not look very lazy to me. It looks very engaging. <laughs> but I'm not a parkour <laughs> person. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Sky. What do you got for me? How about the cat pass <laughs> or the monkey or Kong Ooh. vault? Okay, two of the things that you've given me so far have been cats. Yeah. So let's see. A cat passed. So in the first time there was, you sat like a cat. I suppose, like, what would you pass like a cat? How do how do cats pass? It's also the monkey or uh, Kong vault, vault, too. All right. I'm going to say this is a thing where, like, similar to the Tic Tac, but you're not trying to not, like, rebound off of the thing. You're just trying to get past it. So you kind of, like hop and push off of it but try to move forward like you're still trying to keep forward motion you're not trying to vault pa- over something you're just trying to like kick kick off of something keep moving forward you don't so it's a vault where you actually don't vault over something you just kick it okay let's say you actually, oh, uh, i'm gonna say I don't know. I, I, I'm bad at this guy. What if I... Sorry. Uh, this, qu- this, this quiz is just really bad. A vault where the body passes <laughs> over the obstacles with the legs in between the arms. This is called a squat over vault in gymnastics. Who would do that? Why would you do that? That sounds like a bad idea. That sounds like a way to get it your probably leg looks broken. cool. Okay. Well, that's the quiz. I, we both got one. Good job. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know who goes first, but I go last. Uh, you can, you can flip a coin if you like. I can what? Flip a coin if you like. I, I mean, sure. It's heads. <laughs> well, I mean, did you call something or did no. you just? Flip? <laughs> no, I didn't call it. Sky, are you okay? No. I'm sad my quiz is so bad. Let you guys down. The quiz was... Oh my gosh, the quiz was fine. It, that was amazing. It was a good quiz, Sky. 
Oh, it was a good we learned a lot style. about cats. God. <laughs> <laughs> and and passing <laughs> or vaulting. All right. And that both and that neither Tim or I should do this. <laughs> All right, Kyle gets to go first. Okay. Oh yeah. God. Not even I mad. Still parkour. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So parkour is a training discipline, arguably using movement that developed from military obstacle course training, cited three times for some reason. Practitioners tra- aim to get from one point to another in a complex environment without assistive equipment and then the fastest and most efficient way possible. I think, I mean, that could be for anything, but okay. <clears throat> Here's this list, you guys. Parkour includes running, climbing, swinging, vaulting, jumping, rolling, quadrupedal movement, and accounting, and other movements deemed most suitable for the situation. Did you say accounting? Uh, parkour is... De- no, I don't know what... Yes, I did. Uh, parkour's development from military training gives it some aspect of a non-combative martial art and an in an unearned air of cool. Okay. Uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. I mean... I'm sorry, that wasn't actually in there. That was just me. No, no, no. In a sense, like, I would say that it is like a non-combative martial art and that it is the art it, of, like, running away really well. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Parkour is an activity that can be practiced alone or with others, which is which means that's a phrase I guess you don't need, uh, and is usually uh, dash, not but not exclusively dash, carried out in urban spaces, cited twice. Do you think that someone, someone like established, someone else said, or someone said, uh, is usually carried out in urban spaces, and someone else was like, uh, excuse me. Um, I do parkour at home all the we time. We do parkour out in the cornfield every Tuesday. <laughs> it lasts about two minutes because it's, it's, it's just a hay bale. <laughs> <laughs> if you just try to like cat jump over a, over an ear of corn, it's just not going to go well. <laughs> uh, parkour <laughs> involves seeing one's environment in a new way and imagining the potential for cool for navigating it by moving around or across through and over and under its features. It was developed in France primarily by Raymond Bell and further by his son David and the latter's group of friends, the self-styled Yamakaze. Ooh, I feel like we're going to read more about that later in the page. During the 1980s. Wow, wow. This is only that old? Really? Really? Actually, that's older than I thought it was. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, The word parkour derives from parkour du combattant. The classic obstacle course method of military training proposed by uh, George Ebert. Raymond Bell used the term le parcour to encompass all of his training, including climbing, all all of those other things. So it sounds like, okay, oh wow, I did not realize that there was a a reason that it's spelled with a a K rather than a C. Uh, Apparently, uh, because parkour in French would be P-A-R-C-O-U-R-S, du combattant. Uh, but this guy, this guy's friend, apparently, who uh, was, a, oh, he was doing, uh, he was filming David Ebert's, uh stunts, uh, his work as a stuntman, and suggested that he change the C of parkour to a K because it was stronger and more dynamic. And also to remove the silent S for the same reason, forming, quote, 
parkour, end quote, cited. Oh, man, amazing. Uh, oh, here's Yamakaze. David initially trained on his own after moving to Lise <coughs> and found other young men, including his cousins, who had similar desires. Wow. And they began to train together. That's that. What does that flyer look like? Do you think like the the flyer for the the first parkour flyer? Like, uh, come you know, meet on Tuesday night in in the square. Jump over stuff. Uh, learn <laughs> learn to jump over stuff in mm-hmm. big block letters. Yeah, in big block letters. Parkour, but spelled with a K and no S. And someone, some group of people, was like, "Yeah, this is it. This is it." Okay. Uh, let's see. I guess. I mean, there's a lot here as far as like. Oh wait, I thought you weren't supposed to do this. Okay, parkour. Okay, I'm confused, but <clears throat> it says equipment, and I thought the big deal about parkour is that you don't use equipment. And the first sentence is parkour is a practice without <laughs> equipment of any kind. There you go. Uh, practitioners, <laughs> well, <laughs> practitioners normally train wearing light, non-restrictive, casual clothing. Cited twice, tracers who wear gloves are very rare. <laughs> what? Bare oh. hands are considered better for grip or tactile feedback. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, light running shoes with good grip and flexibility are encouraged. Like flippers would not be great, I guess. Practitioners often use minimalist shoes, sometimes as a progression to bare feet for better sensitivity and balance, while others prefer more cushioning for better absorption or impacts from large jumps. Yeah, you think? Gotta find a balance. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. As David Bell noted, bare feet are the best shoes. Maybe he meant like literal bears, like mm. the feet of literal bears would be the best shoes. I mean, that would be, you have to admit, it'd be pretty badass either way. All right, uh-huh. uh, I think I'm. I think I'm done with parkour. Okay. Are, is there anything else that you guys see here that you want to talk about? I did see this quote down here in an interview with the press. Bell, who's Bell? Uh, David Bell, one of the uh, or not David Bell. I'm sorry. Uh, it was right up here at the top. Um. Either way, he, oh, well, he explained Raymond. that we'll parkour is yeah. a training method for warriors. So many people try to train easy. Come do parkour. It's really cool. But if tomorrow I made you do real training, you would end up crying. That's what you need to know. You're going to cry. You're going to bleed and you're going to sweat like never before. In his book, he also quotes his father, Raymond. If two roads open up before you, always take the most difficult one because you know you can travel the easy one. No, that I'm not sure that's how roads work. No. (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole point. That's the point of, like, a road, is to not... Oh, you know what? You know you can oh. travel it. Hmm. That's the point of a road. That's literally what they're there for. Anyway. All right, I gotta get it to unicorns? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, I think I have an idea. This is this is a dumb idea, but it's my idea. Um, vaulting is one of the movements listed here. <laughs> All right. And horses do vaulting right i mean what do they call the what do they call the uh, the like the olympic event is that what that's called the vault. i'm hoping that's what it's called yeah the vault just the single vault actually actually i'm imagining a horse doing a pole vault now and that's what i want it to be and so i think i might have to click it i, I might be yeah I'm, that's what i'm gonna go for okay vaulting vaulting vault 
Vaulting it is. Okay. My choice is almost as stupid. Great. <laughs> Whoa. It's actually just a few over from vaulting. Uh, quadrupedal movement. There you go. <laughs> because <laughs> Yay. That's, that's, how, that's how unicorns move. That's how unicorns do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, cool. It actually goes to crawling. Oh. Crawling, <laughs> crawling parentheses, parentheses human. Human. Oh, man. All right, Kyle, we're oh, on we're vault. All- so we're at vault, but we're at vault parentheses human or human movement. The human <laughs> Urban vault. movement. Human the movement. Human vault. As so this humans is, move. This is still tied uh, or still tied to uh, parkour pretty heavily. Okay. Is and there literally z- not a zero single motion? Or the, is, are there any links on this page? You got squat. Literally, the literally, word squat is linked. Literally, the word that. squat is linked. <laughs> and, and parkour. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the choices. I guess I'll just read part of this page. In various urban activities, a vault is any type of movement that involves overcoming an obstacle by jumping, leaping, or climbing, or diving over an obstacle while using their feet, hands, or not touching it at all. Although parkour, I mean, flight counts as that too, but that's not a vault. Uh, although parkour doesn't involve the idea of set movements, tracers use similar ways of moving to quickly and efficiently pass, to, pass over obstacles. Oh, man, there's the... Ah, ah I want to name all these now. Sky, you, we didn't even get to half of the ones on this list. Yeah, no, the safety pretty good vault, list. the speed vault, the two-handed vault, the lazy vault, the thief vault, the monkey vault, the double con vault, the dash vault, the cash vault... The speed vault, the turn vault, lazy vault, pop vault, gate vault, reverse vault, reverse Kong, dive roll, drop vault, wall run, cat grab, and cat leap. Oh my gosh, there's a, there's another list for the free running vaults. Those were just the those were just the basics. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's the there's the 360, the triple Kong, the screwdriver, the 360 underbar, the vert vault, the rocket vault, the star vault. Shoulder vault, barrel vault, a thief 360, an inside monkey, a weave, a butterfly vault, a leopard vault. Oh my gosh, these are amazing. Yeah, oh, I, I never I should have done these ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, Sky, we would have had just as much luck. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm going to use our rare, rarely uh, invoked rule of being able to go back one page because I think I have to. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get to unicorns from squats. <laughs> yeah. Although like... if I did, that would be incredible. <laughs> you <could> try. <laughs> no, I'm going back a page. Go ahead, All right. Tim. <laughs> Tim, crawling human. The human condition of crawling. There is a list. <laughs> when crawls are used, crawling is used what? mainly when a person cannot yet walk because of being an infant. <laughs> when a person cannot walk due to disability, being wounded, sick, or drunk. In very low places, caves, under a table, in a mine, etc. Sometimes underground miners need to crawl long distances during their work. When searching for something on the ground. To get down to the ground in gardening. For maintenance or other work-related purposes, which require a good reach on the ground. For stealth. Camouflage, camouflage and, and quietness to lower the field of vision as an exercise as a token of submission 
for fun or comical purposes <laughs> and during a fire. <laughs> Uh, man <laughs> this is one of the best lists ever i think so yeah it was a very good list do not tell me that that's an amazing list do not tell me that the person composing this list did not intentionally put for fun and comical purposes right before during a fire yeah there's a choice in that for sure oh, oh man. man so yeah that's a great editorial choice so there's types of crawls you got your standard crawl is a, a specific four-beat gait involving the hands and knees. A typical crawl, a typical crawl is left hand, right knee, right hand, left knee, or a hand, the diagonal knee, the other hand, then its diagonal knee. Thank you. Thanks. What? Uh, there's this is the, the bear first crawl. gait most humans learn. The bear crawl is almost identical to the standard crawl, but the feet are used instead of the knees. There's the bridge walk. Which involves holding a gymnastic bridge. Um, I didn't know bridges could be gymnasts. Oh, nice. I, I mean, oh, yeah, um, nice. And making small nice. steps with the arms and legs. The crab crawl is used in crab soccer. Like how it says, and nowhere else. Like how it says, is similar to a crab walk and bridge walk, and then it describes crab crawl afterwards. Yep. <laughs> this is actually up in bridge walk because of its unusual appearance crab walking has been used in several horror films to suggest the demonic possession of a character we'll add that to the list too nice. when you are possessed <laughs> you are possessed uh the leopard crawl <laughs> is a military specific crawl two versions the leopard crawl proper and a modified version for when carrying weapons in the hands is a two-beat gate like oh, a trot an arm elbow is advanced with diagonal knee. And then there's the tiger crawl. Oh, that thing. Which is used by uh, Sega in um, Street Fighter 2. <laughs> tiger crawl. Very nice. That's, that's a joke for my, old, for my, for my video game nerds. So uh, luckily enough for me, the word trot is uh, linked. Right. And I'm going to trot. Dang it, Tim. Trot. Oh. Oh man, you you stole my <laughs> the line that I was gonna take. Maybe there won't be um, horses. <laughs> I mean, I I'm having a really hard time imagining what else could be on that page if not horses. <laughs> oh All right. man, back on parkour. What are you thinking now? Uh, I, the, I guess the word noun is linked here. I. Okay, you you laughed there, but I could I seriously considered it for a second because I thought, yeah, maybe you know maybe someone you know they as an example someone said like the unicorn. <laughs> no, uh, let's see. Oh man, well we have our always popular World War link. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's always right there. Obstacle courses. Hmm. That could that that might be closer to what i was thinking originally well, are there it's... any unicorns in tony hawk's american wasteland i never played it <laughs> uh, i'm not it, saying there there isn't do you guys know something about skater tricks that i do not know about one called a unicorn because i, I can see that being a thing <laughs> i could see that being a but thing too i have not heard of one but i sky are you just trying to get me to click on tony hawk no i i, I honestly don't know i was just making a joke <laughs> 
Prince of Persia oh, The Sands okay. of Time is also here because it's a very parkour heavy game. Mm. Oh man. All right. You know what? Let's just. Assassin's also, Creed. All right. This is also a, a, a silly reference, but there's the outdoor conservation ethic. Yeah. I have a feeling that the people involved in that kind of thing would also like talk about unicorns. Unicorns? <laughs> okay. You know what? Let's do it. I'm just clicking right. on, on outdoor conservation ethic. All right. Which takes you to leave no trace. Leave mm. no trace. Great. This is good. This is a good choice. I'm Which not regretting good, this. This is what you do when you're a mythical creature. Yep. All right, Tim. You're <laughs> That's a trot. True. The trot is a two-beat diagonal gait of the horse. Not a horse. The horse. The horse. With diagonal pairs <laughs> of legs move forward at the same time with a moment of suspension between each beat. <laughs> Where you are asked to suspend your belief. Suspense. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think there's like a metric horse somewhere? You know how there's like the standard like uh, gram kept in a in a jar in so, or like in a case in France so that you ha- they always have something to weigh it or to measure it against. Like there's just the metric standard horse mm. just in a in a case somewhere. Like no, this is the horse. <laughs> the horse. The, the queen's horse. horse. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Edward. Either my my bridge or or we me no it's got to be my bridge because we bridge is so hard to pronounce. He was the first <laughs> to prove by photography in 1872 that there is a moment of suspension or unsupported transit during the trot. There's a point where all the hooves are off the ground. I guess that means. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's just using its forward momentum to keep moving. Okay. Here- Have you not seen that 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 series of photos? It's amazing. Nope. Um, types of trots uh, tag yourself uh, jog trot collected trot slow trot or road gate roadster um, working trot also Ooh. known as trot medium trot park trot lengthen trot road trot or show at speed extended trot or racing trot what's the park trot yeah I would be the park trot definitely it's a showy, flashy trot with extreme elevation of the knees. <laughs> oh, dang. The head is yeah, held high, <laughs> and at times a horse may hollow its back and lose cadence in an attempt to achieve high action in front. Again, like oh, me. Oh, so it does the that's, the... that's the thing that uh, the one the Bugs Bunny horse does, like in, in the Warner Brothers cartoons. That's all the horses in Warner Brothers cartoons. The hindquarters must be engaged for it to be properly performed. Again, like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well done. Got to engage them hindquarters. <laughs> That's right. Um. All right. So I'm not seeing anything that'll that I believe will get me closer to unicorn than just clicking on horse. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean that's that's closer than I've gotten with leave no trace. Uh, which refers to a set of out- outdoor ethics promoting conservation in the outdoors, where the outdoor th- ethics would be useful. It is built on seven principles. One, plan ahead and prepare. Two, travel and camp on durable surfaces. Three, dispose of waste properly. Four, leave what you find. Five, minimize campfire impacts. Six, respect wildlife and parkour. <laughs> Seven, be considerate of other visitors. Uh, it says uh, these 
<clears throat> these seven principles have been adapted to different activities, ecosystems, and environments. I don't know why it specifies that. Uh, I mean, I imagine that's what principles are for, though. Like, you have a certain set of principles that and you, you adapt you'd them to what adapt you're Adapt them, yeah. That, that's yeah. what principles do. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In the mid-20th century, there was a cultural shift in, in wilderness ethics from woodcraft, where wilderness travelers prided themselves on their ability to rely on the resources of the wildlands to a post-World War II ethics of minimal impact on the environment. Wow, really? I didn't realize it was that recent. Uh, mm -hmm. Leave No Trace began in the 1960s and 70s. Wow. So I guess before that we would have, you know, like campers would have just said, well, I'm just going out with my pack and I will just survive on what's out there. And that makes, that's the mark of a good woodsman rather than not damaging the world around it. That's, that's a different, that is definitely a shift in, in, uh, in culture. I didn't know that. Um, I do know that the U.S., uh, like, in the, I thought it was a lot earlier, though, like, in the 30s, uh, 30s and 40s, where the U.S. started to say, uh, like, conservationists uh, started to actually, you know, have some sway uh, politically. Um, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that, that recent. That recent, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, although there... <clears throat> That would be the time that, uh, let's see, the National Education Program of Leave No Trace was developed in 1990 by the United States Forest Service in conjunction with the Natural, Nat yeah, National Outdoor Leadership School, or NOLS. At the time, USFS also created other programs with a couple of our favorite woodland animals, if you guys know who they are. There's Smokey the Bear and oh. the Woodsy Owl. Yeah, Woodsy Owl. Uh, and previously in 1985, the Tread Lightly program, was, which was geared toward motorized recreation. That's pretty funny, Tread Lightly. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, and, and wow, not until the 1990s did that become part of the National Park Service. I did not realize. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, well, soil erosion is not going to get me to unicorns. They don't typically care about that. Probably not. Uh, disposal of waste, campfire wildlife just general wildlife <laughs> maybe maybe wildlife would be able to get me to like uh cryptids or something yeah like if that. you can get to cryptids that would might be a good mm. little uh tact i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna click on wildlife and see if i can't find something about mythical wildlife wildlife okay all right tim you're at horse horse there are no unicorns on this page and it makes me sad Nope. Wow. So, um, there's a lot about horses, though. Good. Um, let's go to entertainment and culture. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just uh, expanded this picture of the. <laughs> there's a picture here that's demonstrating the different sizes of horses, and like oh, no. one's like, and it's like size varies. Uh, what does it say here? So size varies greatly among horse breeds, as with this full-size horse and small pony. <laughs> it's like it's like a huge horse running behind this pony, and I and I expanded the picture, and the look on the pony's face is just of sheer terror. <laughs> like, oh my god, why, why is this horse following me so closely? <laughs> and the other and the horse, like the big horse, is like head is down, like it's like I'm gonna get you, you son of. <laughs> like I am. After your, 
after you. This, oh, it's very adorable. Last time you eat my apples. Oh, man. Exactly. That, that tiny pony's face looks terrified. That's amazing. Yeah, it's very good. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, Tim. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Actually, going out of entertainment and culture, going into interactions with humans. Uh, worldwide, horses play a role within human cultures and have done so for millennia. Horses are used for leisure activities, sports, and working purposes. The Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, estimates that in 2008, <laughs> there were almost 59 million horses in the world, with around 33,500,000 in the Americas, uh, 13.8 million in Asia, 6.3 in Europe, and smaller portions in Africa and Oceania. Uh, there are estimated to be 9.5 million horses in the United States alone. Dang. You may know one of them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the American Horse Council <laughs> estimates <be> teacher. <laughs> the American Horse Council estimates that horse-related activities have a direct impact on the economy of the United States of over $39 billion. And when indirect spending is considered, Dang. so indirect spending on a horse. <laughs> um, what is something that you spend on that indirectly is linked that to horses? <laughs> it's like oh man so buying the food that no because it it can't even be like the grain that you feed the horse it'd have to be like the mm-hmm. bag that you hold that you put the grain that you're feeding the horse you know like, like mm-hmm. so maybe maybe like if you maybe they're counting like if you buy a bow for your violin and it's made out of mm-hmm. horse tail hair that mm-hmm. is an indirect purchase I, I related to a horse in, maybe indirect horse yeah um, in a 2004 poll, quote unquote, conducted by Animal Planet, more than 50,000 viewers from 73 countries voted for the horse as the world's fourth favorite animal. Aww. It doesn't say what <laughs> Whoa, the other ones are. On. That's actually I want to I want to know now. Cats, right? Yeah, me Dogs. Too. <laughs> it's it's cats. It's tiger. Cats. And tiger. What tiger? Um, people like tigers. It's, it's good. Tiger received 21% of the vote, the dog 20%, the dolphin 13%, and and the horse 10%, the lion 9%, snake 8%, followed by elephant, chimp, orangutan, and orangutan, and whale. Where are the the pandas? There's not a lot of them. It's very sad. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> under senses, it says the horse senses are based on their status as prey animals, where they must be aware of their surroundings at all times. They have the largest eyes of any land mammal. Yeah, those are and they are huge eyes, and they are lateralized, meaning that their eyes are positioned on the sides of their heads. Um, this means that the, the horse has a range of vision of more than three hundred and fifty degrees. It's so friggin' heck, hard yes. to catch a horse in Breath of the Wild. So you, <laughs> or so in coming. real life, yeah. <laughs> or in real life, yeah. 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 Jeez. Yeah, it's terrifying. They they're like birds with four feet and that weigh two tons. I mean like Yeah. Or not two tons, but like a quarter ton. But yeah, they're um, heavy. They're big. <clears throat> Horses have a great sense of balance due partly to their ability to feel their footing and partly to highly highly developed proprioception. The unconscious sense of where the body and limbs are at all times. A horse's sense of touch is well developed. The most sensitive areas are around the eyes, ears, and nose. Horses are able to sense contact as subtle as an insect landing anywhere on the body. I nice. kind of feel like we're able to do that too. 
maybe. maybe they're just really maybe they're really really good at it um horses have an advanced sense of taste which allows them to sort through fodder and choose what they would most like to eat <laughs> and their prehensile lips <laughs> can easily sort even small grains oh no, let's not talk about their prehensile lips no, this, this, is, is so this weird. is a really weird so sense though horses generally will not eat poisonous plants however there are exceptions Horses will occasionally eat toxic amounts of poisonous plants, even when there is adequate healthy food. <laughs> oh, okay. Sometimes horses just do it. Like, mm, <laughs> we don't know how. This is good stuff. <laughs> or why. We don't know why. Wait, it doesn't explain why? No. There's, sometimes they do. Even it does, it other... is sourced. Um, horse pasture is no place for poisonous plants. I don't care if it's sourced. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know why they do it. Um, Are, do they have like horse This is just a, a pet column like, for the this... week of July 24th, yeah. 2000. Oh my goodness. Um, cabbage, broccoli, onions, chives, kale, elderberry, pokeweed, and rhubarb can be toxic for herbivores such as horses. At the end of the garden season, be careful what you toss over the fence to the horses. Oh. Says Dr. Beasley. Um, why why are they bad at eating if they have really good taste a really good sense of taste i mean rhubarb tastes good but it's poisonous (laughs) i don't know um i'm confused by this and sad and also still thinking about horse lips i'm i'm done i'm out horse lips (laughs) (laughs) no stop (laughs) just the last thing before you close your eyes at night think of horse lips (laughs) watching over you (laughs) Okay. Uh, So yeah, like I said, no unicorns here. Surprising. So I'm going to go to um. Yeah. Prehensile. What? Let's never go to prehensile. Can we make a coven? (laughs) None of us will ever go to prehensile. Page prehensile. Is that that's the page that, that has to be just a never... dark, dark area of Wikipedia? <laughs> I am, I am hoping I've gone to Pony. Oh, oh I see. No. Pony, huh? Tim, why? Okay, because they are cute. Tim, why? They're cute. Well, in, Unicorns are generally in, cute. Uh huh. But the internet, Tim. There are several ponies that are unicorns. All right. Speaking of tigers. Okay, wildlife. Okay, traditionally refers to. There's a tiger. Yeah, there's a tiger right there. The favorite animal. It's like the favorite animal. Uh, Yeah. It traditionally refers to undomesticated animal species, but has come to include all plants, fungi, and other organisms that grow or live wild in an area without being introduced by humans, which I realize what they intend to say there, but I'm envisioning it as they just have like a giant animal mixer and everyone forgot their name tags. And it's like that thing where you see someone that you don't recognize at a party, but you want to wait. You don't know if you want to wait for like the host to be like, oh, bear, this is a fox. But, you know, but, you yeah. know, so you just kind of stand off often, you know, and they think that you're withdrawn. But really, you're just not really sure what to do in this situation. Waiting for that introduction. Like, come yeah. on, humans. Uh, wildlife can be found in all ecosystems, period. End of page. That's what it is. Uh, deserts, forests, okay. rainforests, plains, grasslands, and other areas, uh, including the most developed urban areas, all have distinct forms of wildlife and generally various stages in video games. Mm. While the term in popular culture ref- usually refers to animals that are untouched by human factors, again, a weird way to say that, Page, 
Most scientists <laughs> agree that much wildlife is affected by human activities. That's a little bit closer to what's happening, yes. Um, mm-hmm. hmm, all right. Humans have historically tended to separate civilization from wildlife in a number of ways, including the legal, social, and moral sense, although generally the legal is not going to do a whole lot to a tiger. Uh, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference to that, to a tiger anyway. Ah, oh, man. Some animals, however, have adapted to suburban environments, uh, including dogs, cats, mice, and gerbils. I don't know why are gerbils on this. <laughs> gerbils got to figure it out. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think gerbil gets out. He's, gonna, he's not going to have a good time. I imagine. Yeah, it's probably as adapted as, like, I mean, it would be on the list with domesticated animals, but, like, not to the same level as, like, cats or dogs having figured out humans. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's a bad choice, gerbils. Keep your distance from us. Sure. We're dangerous. Oh, man. Okay, Ooh. so I'm just going to jump right to where I want to talk, uh, right to where I, I want to go next, because, of course, cryptids are not on this page, because this is Wikipedia, and no one has a sense of humor here. Uh, but in the religion section, many animal species have spir- spiritual significance in different cultures around the world, and they and they and their products may be used as sacred objects in religious rituals. I'm going to click sacred. Okay, that, mm. that's a good. Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the closest I'm going to get. Mm. I think. I think you're actually going to have a better chance right. than me because I'm lost in like serious horseville. <laughs> serious no one's going into fun stuff with ponies here it's all just scientific stuff although the first sentence of this first sentence of this article three citations complete the sentence a <laughs> pony is <laughs> what what is a pony <laughs> complete the sentence Kyle a pony is no <laughs> just blank uh, a pony is is adorable they're really cute <laughs> yes but we're being scientific here a pony is a small horse a small, it's a small horse. horse Tim three Thank citations yep. what why <laughs> they have the chambers 20th century dictionary oxford american dictionaries oh, wow and the webster's new collegiate dictionary okay the world's Not leading dictionaries guy, agree point out. a pony is a small horse. <laughs> you know, using an, a dictionary definition of a thing, it, that's a circular argument. You can't say that it's a small horse because the dictionary says it's a small horse. That's, I mean, well, let's see what the dictionary well, says. Oh, there, it's a small there horse. Is, there is one um, discrepancy. The Oxford Dictionary does use the S-M-O-L spelling of small. Yes. A pony small. is a small, small horse. horse. Amazing. Protect small. it. So small. <laughs> small but Pony powerful. protect, but it also attack. <laughs> <laughs> the ancestors of modern, uh, most modern por- ponies developed small stature because they lived on the margins of livable, of liv- livable horse habitat. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Are they, are they making the argument that they just didn't eat enough Guys, food? Guys, I'm too... <laughs> I'm too tired to, to do this tonight. Um, this says, These smaller animals were domesticated and bred for various purposes all over the nor- northern hemisphere. And, like, I glanced at that, and my mind said, All over New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just domesticating these ponies all over New Hampshire. 
So <laughs> just a full state of ponies. So there are there are small horses that are not considered ponies. What what? And but there are literally a small horse. And there are larger horses that are considered ponies. <laughs> what madness is this? What? Because the equestrian <laughs> no. community doesn't have its crap together. No. What? No. Um, listen, okay, guys, guys. <laughs> nope. Uh, in certain what? cases, there can be considerable considerable debate over whether to call certain breeds horses or ponies. No. However, individual breed registries. <laughs> Usually are the arbiters of such debates, weighing the relative horse and pony characteristics of a breed. In some breeds, such as the Welsh pony, the horse versus pony controversy is resolved by creating separate divisions for consistently horse-sized animals. No, small to pony. Wait, is this just a pony though? <laughs> this is where the horse-sized duck fits in, right? The, the, uh, yes. The, that's the <laughs> if that if that lineage of duck is consistently horse-sized, <laughs> it can be entered in. <laughs> this the section D. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it's <laughs> a Welsh pony. Tim, does it give you like what's the cutoff? Oh, it's a it's a pony that's covered in cheese, obviously. Does um, it give you like the cutoff for what size is horse size? Like consistently uh, horse fourteen point two hands. Oh my gosh, they did. I didn't expect there to be a cutoff, but in fact there is because. But it's not is. even like there's some things that are larger that they still call ponies. So what? The Icelandic horse is considered a horse, not a pony, by those who own and breed them. <laughs> Oh no! I like this. This is a ho- this is a horse. This isn't a pony. This is a good horse. If no, you I, excuse, raised no, it, that's a, then that's a pony. you would know it's not a pony. Uh, it just acts. Oh it just gosh. acts like a horse. Like I know, I know deep down, I know you're calling this a pony, but I know this is a horse. <laughs> I've I've known since it was born that it was this a horse. So it's aggravating. Hard. It knows it's a horse. I'm so upset. <laughs> oh my goodness! I thought there was one thing I could have friggin' hmm. Mm. Uh Jeez, oh, now what are you going to do? I have no idea. It, it's um, a horse, Equestrianism? Course. No. Of course. <laughs> um, There's a feral horse here. <laughs> feral horses. Is it like a feral horse? Hmm. Feral yeah. horse. Yeah, that makes sense. It because a... I would say that a unicorn is a feral horse. Like, nobody's keeping that. Yeah. That guy in the stable or lady. Yep. That's the thing nope. that I would. That's a description of the unicorn that I would have. Yes. I should have tried to get to unicorn through like the band America or something or <laughs> or the movie <laughs> or the Starbucks. last unicorn. Last Going through unicorn. horses was a mistake. I well, uh, Tim, Kyle, sacred. do you want to talk about the idea of sacred? <laughs> Well, Tim, I expected this. I expected a unicorn Sanctity? to be somewhere around here, but it is not. I can tell you right now, there's no mm. unicorn on this page. Uh, sacred means uh, means revered due to sanctity and is generally the state of being perceived by religious individuals as associated with divinity and considered worthy of spiritual respect or devotion. Or inspiring awe or reverence right. among believers. Yeah, unicorn, right? That's a unicorn. You're describing that Webster's Dictionary describes this as a unicorn. Uh, but no, no, it's just, they just talk about how it is distinguished from the word holy. Because someone feels like that's an important distinction. Hmm. 
Although well, you know some... why? Because one guy, one editor was like, I want to write the sacred page. And someone was like, we don't need a separate sacred page. We have holy. You just need to have a section on the holy page for sacred. Yeah. He's like, no, they're very distinct. Let me tell you why. And then he's like, I got to put this on the page. Got to prove myself. And then someone else uh, left a message in the in the notes that was saying that said it's better it's better than stubby, but it's not quite its own. Okay, it's not. It's better than being <laughs> fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although there are similarities between the terms sacred and holy, those are both in quotes, by the way, because you know that we are talking about nerds talking about this, and they're and they are sometimes used interchangeably. There are subtle differences. That's cited. To the di- oh my gosh, oh wow. Okay, it's cited to a website called the difference between dot com, and it is okay. The difference between sacred and holy, and you know I'm clicking this. I can't not click this. The difference between sacred and holy. It's this is a real website called difference between dot com. Uh, sacred, holy, divine, hollow are terms that are used mostly in th- terms of terms of things and concepts that are not ordinary, but connected with God or godly things. Thus, we have Holy Bible and sacred texts or scriptures. See the difference? There's, they're, they're different. They're not the same. They're different. Oh, man. There's probably a lot of... Okay, featured topics. Oh, here you go. In case you need to know the difference between your W2, your W4, and your W9, that's a thing. And the difference between ransomware and scareware. Oh wow. Okay, this is going to this is going to get real dark real fast, but uh the difference between sickle cell anemia and and thalassemia. So good. That's great. Okay. Th- this page is weird. Why did someone feel like a lot. I, You know what? I'm just going to move on. I did find a, a good page for you. Oh. Where are you going? Oh man. Yeah. So here in sacred I there is one bit that I think might be useful, and all right, and the hierology um, is the study of sacred literature or lore, and lore goes to folklore. Mm. I'm really considering that right now because, like, there's not that's a, a possibility. Yeah, there's not a lot on this page that's going to help me out otherwise. Uh, they do there's the, also the Virgin Mary. Yeah, I see the Virgin Mary. Did. Did she like ride a unicorn? Where do you is see her? <laughs> is she in toast? She did not. Oh, she did not toast. ride a unicorn. No. Is is Sky? Do you know something about a unicorn in the Virgin Mary that I don't know? This is not a story I've heard. I mean, it's I mean, not necessarily maybe. Mary, but it's not necessarily Mary. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's click the Virgin Mary. Let's just let's just do this. <laughs> Try it out. See what happens. <laughs> That's, that's our new podcast. Let's click the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Takes you to Mary, Mother look, of Jesus. Look, I just get real antsy anytime we look. Two, there are two things that I try to avoid really hard on this podcast. One of them is World War II, and the other is Catholicism in general. I mean, just in general. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, let's try it. Touchy subjects. A feral <laughs> horse. A feral horse. Yeah is a free-roaming horse of domesticated ancestry. As such, a feral horse is not a wild animal in the sense of an animal without domesticated ancestors. I didn't know uh, that. Some populations of feral horses are managed as wildlife, and these horses often are popularly called wild horses. 
Feral horses are descended from domestic horses that strayed, escaped, or deliberately released into the wild and remained to survive (laughs) and reproduce there. Interesting. I I like... I like imagining it as like a flock, like you just have like a flock of doves, like before uh, like a wedding or something, but it's just horses and you're just like, <laughs> like run. So where where do you think the most feral horses are in the world? Are you talking like like a, the most like the most in numbers? Yeah, yes. or, or the, like or this, the yeah, the most, most numbered qualitatively feral, feral horse, horse I've ever seen. Yeah, that's no, the most no, feral the horse. largest population they, of feral horses. Is it is it like the islands there? The was it Hilton Head Island? It's kind of an island. Wow! Is it? Wait, Australia? There's like, like there's like it three is islands. Australia. Off. Are you oh, kidding wow. me? Australia is a place where they just took everything and just threw it on the island and let it go. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's that's Australia. That's kind of true. We got these convicts. Yeah. Eh, just throw them out. Let them go. Oh my god! We got gosh. some horses. Eh. You got your horses. Um, no, it, <laughs> you it, got your it is believed there's an excess of 400,000 feral horses in Australia. Wow. Wow. Uh, the Australian of, name equivalent to the Mustang is the Bromby. Feral descendants okay, of horses awesome. brought to Australia by English settlers. The Brumby? I mm-hmm. that's, that's a name that we're using somewhere. Uh, B-R-U-M-B-Y? Brumby, yep. B-R-U-M-B-Y. Oh, I love that. Sorry, go on. B R U M B Y H O R S E. Brumby horse. Um, okay. Brumby horse. Uh, in Portugal, there are two populations of free ranging feral horses that get into regular rumbles. No, what? not really. Um, known as br- Soraya in the southern rumble? plains and Garano in the northern mountain chains. Um, some of these horses are said to be the descendants of horses who managed to swim to land when they were shipwrecked. Others may have Dang. been deliberately brought to various islands by settlers and either left to reproduce freely or abandoned. So, out of control. The horse angle is not helping me here. I am <laughs> going to shift gears. Uh, I'm going to go to English settlers. English is linked to English people. Okay. I am going to English people. Okay. English Just settlers. English people. Got it. Yep. All, all right. right, Kyle, I mean, Mary. We all, we all know Mary, mother of Jesus, was known by various titles, uh, styles, and honorifics. Was a first-century Galilean Jewish woman of Nazareth, <clears throat> mother of Jesus, according to the New Testament and the Quran. Uh, yes, I know she was a virgin, which is a thing that has to do with uh, with unicorns. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this page. I'm clicking on virgin and getting out of here. All right. Oh my Good gosh, work. this page. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, oh, this is English gonna get people. Great. This is going to get great. <laughs> There's a lot of English people. There were a lot of English people. They still, did a lot of things. Still are. I was hoping to find a specific English person. What? Who is not on here. The one, the one that's a unicorn? Yeah. Or J.K. <laughs> Rowling? Yep. No. King Arthur. There are unicorns in Harry Potter. Mm. Oh, yeah. Him too. Um, not seeing him here though, which is sad. I'm just seeing a bunch of English people that are not gonna lead me to unicorns. Aw. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe writers. No, there's not even that. It's basically like English people like as settlers, like divisions and races and 
relationship to Britishness. Yes. Wow. How wow. British are you? I mean, that's crazy. Uh, okay. If that's a so question I'm you have going to ask, to, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper. I'm not gonna really talk about here this because this does not look that interesting, to be honest. Um, but I think uh, King Arthur Thank was you. an Anglo-Saxon. Oh, right. You've got you got early Middle Ages here, yeah. Yeah, and it talks about Anglo-Saxons. All right. So I'm going to go to Anglo-Saxons. So uh, okay. I'm going to just cool. buzz through this page, too, because this is a lot of stuff that I don't want to talk about in our podcast either. I've realized virginity is the state of a person who is never engaged in sexual intercourse. Period. End of sentence. There. Period. There are C- two citations. Uh, yeah, sorry. There are cultural and religious traditions that that place special value and significance on this state, predominantly toward unmarried females associated with notions of personal purity, honor, and worth, and lots of other less cool things. But let's not go there, I guess. Um, look, uh, Control F for unicorn gets me nowhere on this page. What? You would expect unicorns to be super interested in virgins because that's that's a distinct part of their folklore. That's the thing that they do. Yeah. Yes. That's literally a thing that we know about them. But uh, wow. Oh, okay. Well, who knew unicorns now, were so hard to find? <laughs> now we're here. Uh, however, well, I wasn't even thinking about that when I made this <laughs> this game. Oops. <laughs> the English cognate maid was often used to imply virginity, especially in poetry, uh, e.g. Maid Marian, the love interest of the legendary outlaw Robin Hood in English folklore. I'm going to click on English folklore, Tim. I'm going to run up alongside you. Oh, no. Oh, man. English I ain't got folklore. crap. <laughs> what do you got? All right, you're an Anglo-Saxons, Tim. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff about uh, Anglo-Saxon history. A lot of pictures of books and stuff with frilly writing. Yep. Uh, okay. Shires. I don't think those will take me to hobbits. Mm. You don't think so? I don't think so. Um, I don't know, maybe, but it's not really where we're going. No. Literature. <laughs> Let's see what we got in here. Hey, there you go. Old English literary works include genres such as epic poetry, hagiography, sermons, Bible translations, legal works, chronicles, riddles, and others. There are about 400 surviving manuscripts in the period. Cool. Um, anything in here that might have unicorns in it? Uh, epic poetry. Is the last unicorn considered epic poetry? I don't think so. Mm. Beowulf. No, no unicorns in that, right? Nah, not a. Oh man. <laughs> I am I am lost. The dream of the rude. What? Uh 
symbolism continued to have a hold on the minds of Anglo-Saxon people into the Christian eras, the interiors of churches would have glowed with color, and the walls of the halls were painted with decorative scenes from the imagination, telling stories of monsters and heroes like those in the poem Beowulf. Although nothing much is left of the wall paintings, evidence of their pictorial art is found in Bibles and Psalters, in illuminated manuscripts. The poem, The Dream of the Rood, is an example how symbolism of trees was fused into Christian symbolism. The Dream of the Rood. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go there just to hope that'll get me into myth. It's worth a shot. Where are you going? Dream of the, the, dream rood. the rood. Okay. R-O-O-D. Cool. So, uh, Kyle, in, you're an English folklore. Yeah, English folklore. No, an English folklore is something that you use to try to uh, trap an English <laughs> someone who is an English folk. Uh, but no, yep. English folklore is the folk tradition which has developed in England over a number of centuries. Some stories can be traced back to their roots, while the origins of other others is, are uncertain or disputed. I mean, that's what folklore is. Uh, the only thing that I, I mean, there's a ton of uh, things on this page. Uh, unicorns, not among them. Which, again, I think of that as a as a English thing. Did they like, get rid a, of all the unicorns before this this challenge? <laughs> maybe, maybe we didn't give them enough money. Mm. Maybe we didn't get the last donation. Uh, the only thing wow, there's that a I lot of share, weird stuff on here. Yeah, the only thing that I directly want to share from this page is the little image at the very top. Uh, Sky, can you can you share that in the in the Skype chat? Uh, yeah. The poor little birdie teased, where you have a, I I don't exactly know what it is, an elf teasing this tiny bird, and I don't understand like is the bird upset? It more just looks, uh, it looks a little chagrined, like okay, I guess you know. Yeah, put me through the ringer. <laughs> you got me. Um. Huh. All right. So there's a lot of folklore here. Uh, there is. There's the black dog, the boggart, the brownie, the chime hours, uh, the countless stones, <clears throat> the corn dolly, the, uh, I mean, you've, you've got your Fliberty Gibbet, your green man, your, uh, your lob. I don't know what that is. Your May Queen. The Lubber Fiend. Oh, yeah, of course. Or Lubberkin. Your Saint Swithen. Your. Okay, well, oh, your Will of the Wisp. And, oh, here's Wyvern. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Wait. It describes a Wyvern here as a smaller relative of a dragon with two legs rather than four. Is a Wyvern a pony as, as, as a pony is to a horse? <laughs> Is to a dragon? Uh, like no, because <laughs> Hold on. What? a pony Ponies doesn't have, have two legs. legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> they also have just rabbit, rabbit, rabbit on here. It's literally <laughs> three words. Oh my goodness. They don't describe it. I don't know what that is. It says rabbit, rabbit, rabbit is one variant of a superstition found in Britain that states a person should say or repeat the word rabbit or rabbits or white rabbits or some combination of these elements out loud upon waking on the first day of the month because it will ensure good luck for the duration of that month. Rabbits. So I've got two Weird. options here. And yeah. Yeah. <sighs> This may come down to a coin toss. Uh, so cryptozoology is on here. And I feel 
look, look, honestly, the level that we've of luck that we've had so far with crypto uh-huh. whatever helping us out finding unicorns, I'm not feeling so mm-hmm. hot about. But Okay. Two sentences past cryptozoology. Pub names may preserve folk traditions. And I'm pretty oh, sure geez. there's definitely a pub called the Unicorn, something Unicorn. There's also dragons on this page. But yeah, you can go to pub names. <laughs> Click in pub names. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Tim, Dream of the Rude. Dream of the Rude is one of the earliest Christian poems in the corpus of Old English literature and an example of the genre of dream poetry. Um, preserved in the 10th century Vercelli book. The poem may be as old as the 8th century Ruthwell Cross and is considered one of the oldest works of old English literature. So Dream of the Rude is basically um, uh, the dreamer has a dream that he is talking to the cross. Uh, okay. That the cross is telling him his story of how he was a tree and got chopped down and learned he was going to serve as a, a crucifix and um how he was like pierced and mocked the same as as jesus was but oh, yeah, ultimately yeah, with you ultimately found glory so basically that yeah basically okay okay um, i'm there with you it actually sounds kind of cool uh and the picture of the the ruthwell cross in here is it's a really nice historic <laughs> item. But um, nothing about unicorns, nothing about mythology. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to go to dream. Oh, okay. my gosh. <laughs> like unicorn dreams. Yeah. Unicorn dreams. <laughs> like you don't, have, you don't regularly have unicorn dreams. <laughs> We're in pub do? names and dreams. Yep. Oh, no. We have really um, messed this one up. Okay. Oh, okay. No, no. Yep. I can I can bring it back because unicorn is on this dumb page. <laughs> how, how did you do this? <laughs> it's under items appearing in coats of arms. Wow. Um, Dang. Good pub names are used. I I use lateral thinking, Scott. <laughs> Man, yeah. To identify and differentiate pubs in the United Kingdom, many pubs are centuries old. From a time when their customers were often illiterate, but could recognize pictorial signs or pictures. Pub names have a variety of origins, from objects used as simple identification marks to the coats of arms of kings or local aristocrats, yeah, aristocrats and landowners. Uh, other names come from historic events, livery compa- companies, or and occupations, or craftsmen's guilds. <sighs> so, animals uh, listed here. Names like the fox and hounds, dog and duck, uh, dog and gun refer to hunting, obviously. Uh, sure. Names that are coupled to colors, such as the white heart and red lion, are often heraldic. A white heart featured as the badge of King Richard II, and a red lion was the badge of John of Gaunt, and the blue boar, the Earl of Oxford. There is a signboard for the white heart uh, a little bit farther down the page, and it looks pretty awesome, actually. Like... I, I I get why people like these things. You can do some pretty neat design work with it, even if you don't realize that you're doing like design work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Individual animals, once famous in a particular locality, sometimes give their names to pubs. The Blue Cap in Cheshire, named after a noted 18th century foxhound with a dark patch on its head. A smoker in, Te- in Cheshire is a gray horse, that, which was the mount of a local landowner. The Tiger Inn, uh, with examples found in Sussex, Kent, Dorset, and Yorkshire. And then the Four Chestnuts. Chestnut. Spelled without a T in the middle, denotes the English the, the Suffolk Suffolk punch horse. Like it, it's a specific horse that they did not have the <laughs> letter T in its name. Oh, that yeah. they yeah spelled wrong. Yeah, so it's the hmm. chestnut. Uh, pubs are occasionally named after racehorses, although the connection may not be readily apparent. And the horse is no longer famous. Oh, that's sad. These include oh nope nope it got better. These include Doctor Syntax. Alice Hawthorne, what? Golden Miller, Slow and Easy, uh, The Windmill, Happy Man, Spinner and Bergamot, and The Flying Childers. Ah, oh, geez. Those are all great Terrific. names. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, on the list of heraldry, uh, in, uh, along with like the Blue Boar and the rest, is... Uh, well, and I, I, I want to point out that while a lot of these things have like an expansive description of what it is, such as uh, like checks or checkers often derived from the coat of arms of a local landowner, this in, in, this name and sign originated in ancient Rome, etc. Or um, like lamb and flag, a common religious symbol, etc., etc. It, for unicorn, it's just the word unicorn. Like no explanation needed. It's just, yeah, unicorn. <laughs> you nope. know what this is. It's a small horse. Uh, I'm going to click unicorn and end this game. Nice work. Yeah. Tim, you want to talk about dreams at all? Um, no, because mine have been dashed. Oh no. No, I oh, feel like no. this is somewhere that that we've been in the past. I think, and if Probably. not, I think this is something that can uh, be a save for the in future. A future, <laughs> a future game. Wait, did you see be of be of use? Yes. Okay, I definitely heard be abused in the future. Yeah, like, yeah that's, that's, that's basically what we're doing here is just abusing Wikipedia pages. Um, maybe we yeah. I will say in, in art, dream. I will say that in art, Salvador Dali once painted uh, a piece called Dream Caused by the Flight of a Bee Around a Pomegranate a Second Before Awakening. Oh, wow. And it's got huh. tigers in it and a naked lady and an that's elephant right. on stilts. I mean, uh, so that's some dream, that dude. Sounds, that sounds that sounds reasonable to me. Yep. So I will end uh, on that. Wow. All right. All right. So unicorns, man. Unicorns. Unicorns. Uh, it's a legendary creature that has been described since antiquity, but not on any of these pages that we've visited tonight. As a beast with a single large pointed spiraling horn projected from its forehead, which makes it sound as though it's like using like a can- like a like a digital projector or something, just like ooh, like making a hologram of a horn. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, <laughs> the unicorn was depicted in the ancient seals of the Indus Valley civilization and mentioned by the ancient Greeks in accounts of natural history by various writers, including uh, oh wow names that I'm going to mispronounce terribly, but. Tasias, Strabo, Pliny the Younger, and Alien. Uh, The Bible also describes an animal, the rim, 
R-E apostrophe E-M, which some versions translate as unicorn. I guess we okay. could have gotten there from that, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I guess... You know, it's a European folklore thing that it's a that's depicted as a white horse or goat-like animal with long with a long horn and cloven hooves, and sometimes a goat's beard. What, really? Sure, why not? Sure, <laughs> throw it on there. <laughs> Everything had beards back then. <laughs> it's an extremely wild woodland creature. I was going the right way, and a symbol of purity Man. and grace. Uh huh. And could only be captured by a yep. yeah. They just outlined my whole run tonight. In the encyclopedia. They even have Virgin Mary on here. <laughs> oh, my yep. gosh. Oh, I should have gone with narwhals. I should have tried to go the narwhal route. In the there medieval and Renaissance oh, times, yeah. the tusk of the narwhal was sometimes sold as a unicorn horn. Oh, man. The unicorn, tameable only by a virgin woman, was well established in medieval lore by the time of Marco Polo, who described them as scarcely smaller than elephants. What? They have the hair of a buffalo and feet like an elephant's. They have a single large black horn in the middle of the forehead. They have wow. a head like a wild boar's. I wonder what I wonder what he's describing. They spend their time by preference wallowing in mud and slime. They're very ugly brutes to look at. Aww. They are not at all as such as we describe them when we relate them or when we relate that they let themselves be captured by virgins but clean but clean contrary to our notions. You take that back about it's rhinos. It's clear that Marco Polo is describing a rhinoceros. Yes. <laughs> rhinos are awesome and I will hear no other. Yeah. Oh, man, Marco, come on, mm-hmm. man. He's like, I was let down by this rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> One star. One star. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, oh, my goodness. Wow. Man. There's just a lot. Well, and, and yeah, there's narwhals. Oh, and they have a the oryx here, which is an antelope with two long, thin horns. And apparently... Uh, some have suggested that seen from the side and from the side and from a distance, <laughs> it looks like a horse with a single horn, although the horn projects backward, not as in the classic unicorn. It says <laughs> that's that's the you know that's the classic unicorn like like you have in like Marco Polo would have written in his book like no no not like the classic unicorn. Oh man! Not not that classic stuff. Nope, they're just ugly. There's a bunch of fabricated unicorns. (laughs) These hipster unicorns today—they don't know what they came from. (laughs) With their with their horn going backward. Yeah, they're so cool. Or yeah, the unicorns are pretty cool, you guys. Yeah, pretty neat. That's all I got. All right. Oh, man. Look at those cool unicorns. What I got to know what what made you decide to to come here? One. I don't know. Just thought <laughs> unicorn would be good. Actually, wait. How uh, did you get here? I was going to do so originally I had parkour to ketchup because I wanted to do ketchup because ketchup would be cool. It's and it's trending right now. But it's right really now. easy. It's really easy to get to ketchup. What? <laughs> Hold on. It's really easy to get to ketchup. What? from like anywhere <laughs> uh, it's six degrees of ketchup bacon you know how they say like you're not like three feet away from there's like nowhere you can be on earth that you're not three feet away from a spider which isn't true but <laughs> <laughs> it's like that except it except on wikipedia it's tomatoes 
because all you need to get it to is like tomatoes sugar jam like all you need to do is get oh yeah to any food and it's like oh yeah ketchup and ketchup's a food too you guys and ketchup's a food well i appreciate that you went to unicorn even though it took us a really long time to find one i i guess yeah i guess i appreciate it that it was difficult yeah they, yeah. they, they should not be easy to track down <laughs> yeah and when i when i did this one i'm like oh it's gonna be really easy because all i have to do is get to horse then i go to horse and i'm like oh it's not on horse okay this could actually be a real, a real game <laughs> this could be a horse race uh well thank you for listening to this episode everyone <laughs> sorry yeah. it wasn't it was rough but uh there's better episodes uh <laughs> at com. if you want to listen to them there or they're on you know the the rss feed that you're listening to on your your mobile device oh yeah which is great uh we have a twitter that lets you know if we uh miss a week or if uh when the when the thing gets up and, and gets posted uh, and we're on facebook as well and do you want that's to, about that's about does it do you want to actually say the twitter name yeah it's at it's at wskbcast i mean you don't that's have good, to you can you can do what you like that's a good idea this, you're the host tonight <laughs> yeah maybe i won't hmm. never mind okay sorry um <laughs> yeah so that's that's it all right we <laughs> that's, that's me that's me leaving this podcast on a unicorn <laughs> you're just moonwalking right out of this podcast guy. I just I just uh, like cat jumped onto its back <laughs> just cat vaulted <laughs> good night everyone All right. have a good night, good night. bye We can't, we can't do horses again. <laughs> horses are bad. That was amazing. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. My my host nights have been rough. It's not it's your fault. Mm. All right, Sky. What do you got for us? I got Steve just howling out in the hallway what? because he won't because Candace is upstairs. So I told her to go get him. <laughs> That's what I got for you. I have so not like, heard parkour. Him. Parkour. Parkour. Worst. All right, it's probably not coming across on the recording though. Parkour. Um, I didn't hear any of that. Parkour. Right. There you go. There you. There it is. Good All job, right. Tim.